0: And so we are on value seven. I'm excited to kind of close this out as we get ready next week to celebrate Easter. But before I share that value with you, some of you probably already know it, I want to share a funny and cute little story that I ran across. There was a teacher uh, of of young kids and they were talking about um, asking, she was asking her students, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what are your goals? and what are your dreams? And she asked them two questions. The first one was exactly that. What do you want to be? What are your dreams when you grow up? And there was a little white boy named Chris, and little Chris wrote on the paper, I want to be Michael Jordan. I want to be Michael Jordan. That is my dream. And the second question that was asked are, what are three things that you need to do to fulfill your dream, to fulfill this goal, to be who you want to be. And little white boy Chris wrote in the three lines, the first one was, I need to get bigger. The second one was, I need to shave my head because Michael Jordan had a shaved head. And number three, little Chris says, I need to be black. (laughs) Right? So I thought that was really cute. But as I started thinking about Uh, where we were going today, and that story, like little Chris had some really big dreams, some dreams that he could not accomplish on his own, and that is what we are talking about today. Value number seven, we as a church, we value dreaming Big. We want to dream big. And some of you are like, all right, I'm a little bit, you know, antsy or anxious. What are we talking about with dreams and stuff? Listen, let me, just, let me just tell you what we mean when we say we want to dream big. Essentially, as a church, we want to set goals that are far greater than anything that we can necessarily understand or see on our own. We want to have dreams so big that we know we can't accomplish them without the help of God. We want to be ambitious. We want to strive for things that are much greater than ourselves we want to have dreams that scare us and so as i think about this 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 word dream i don't want you to think about you know something that that necessarily just happens at night when you fall asleep and like this is some fairy tale land i'm talking about setting things Uh, in, in the future, setting a goal, setting something that you want to accomplish that you know is going to take a lot. We want to dream big. And I want to teach you today that I believe God has called all of us, not just as a church, but as believers to dream big. And so I'm going to share a statement with you. I'm going to say it all throughout the message. And the statement is this, if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Now, I didn't make up that statement. I'm actually not sure where it came from, but I remember reading it several years ago in a book called Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson, and that statement uh, has, has stuck with me. I think he actually words it a little bit different where he says, if your dreams uh, don't scare you, they're too small, uh, but if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Same, same message, but it stuck with me and, and so that's what I want to constantly say and remind you of today is that we want to have as a church and as individuals, we want to have God-sized dreams and those dreams should scare you. And so as I started thinking about why uh, people get a little bit antsy and get a little bit anxious when you started talking about dreams, I think there are several, several reasons, but one of them goes back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. So Adam and Eve are created and they are literally in dreamland, right? Like not fairytale land, but like they're in paradise. Like everything is perfect. The Garden of Eden is absolutely perfect in the way that God intended it uh, to be. And so I believe that was, that was what we were created to be in, obviously. And then the fall of man takes place. Sin enters the world. And now, years later, when we start dreaming Are setting goals many times. Those goals and those dreams are stained by the sin that entered the world all the way in Genesis. And what happens is we get anxious and antsy when we start talking about dreams because the things that we see other people dreaming about and setting goals for and striving to accomplish. Are all tainted by that sin nature, and they become very selfish. They become very self-righteous. Those dreams, those goals, become all about themselves, and that is not what God intended, and that is not what we want to do as a church. We want our dreams to all be about God, not ourselves. And so, I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, why people get a little weird about when you start talking about dreams. It's because of the experience. And the things that they see, the perspective that they look through has always been about dreams and goals being about themselves. And that is far from what God is calling us to do. I believe that God has created us as human beings to be dreamers. As I think about our story, little Chris, better yet, think about your own life when you were little Chris's age, right? Like we had these big Crazy dreams as kids. Like, I wanna walk on the moon. I wanna be an astronaut. I wanna, you know, we have all of these, these really big ambitious goals and dreams. And, and there's no like, like we're, we're, there's no reservation behind it. Like, we are unashamedly as kids, like, yeah, this is what I wanna do. And then something happens between this life of a kid into this life as an adult, and our dreams begin to be tamed down. We, we start looking at, at things that we want to accomplish, and we look at them through the lens of what can I control and what can I do? And then these dreams that we had that were really big as a kid, we understand we can't accomplish on our own as an adult, and we begin to tame down our dreams, And I don't believe that we are to do that. I don't believe that God is calling us to only step into things and only set goals for things that we can see, comprehend, control, and grasp. I believe that God has called us to step into more. I could give you several stories in scripture. That's not where we're going today. But just for example, how about Peter stepping out of the boat, right? And walking on water. Like that's a whole different goal and dream and thing that he accomplished that he knew he couldn't do on his own. All right, different sermon for a different time. But I, I just wonder today if there's a dream in your heart that you've that you've shut down. That, that maybe you had when you were a kid, or maybe if you were a kid, you, were, you, you, would, you would just kind of blow it out of the water. Like God talks a lot in scripture and Jesus talks a lot in scripture about, about the innocence and the purity and the faithfulness of children. Like what if we got back to that childlike faith to where we just had the biggest dreams? And that I believe is when we experience the supernatural. I believe that when we set things that are far greater than ourselves, in motion and start striving towards that, then we experience some powerful things. And so, I am going to take you to the book of Nehemiah. I actually uh, preached uh, from Nehemiah, and actually going to talk a little bit about what I talked about our very first service when we talked about prayer and fasting. I looked uh, in chapter one of Nehemiah. We looked together, but but I want to look at the book of Nehemiah and pull out. Uh, How many points do you think I have today? Ha, you're wrong. Not three. I have five points today. Come on, somebody. We're going to be here till 145, so hang on tight. No, I'm just kidding. They're they're short and sweet, but I believe are really, really practical and applicable and great reminders for us to kind of chew on and think about as we think about this aspect of dreaming big. All right, you guys ready to jump in? You ready? Say ready. Comment ready. Give me some some hearts, some likes, whatever you got to do. Let's jump in. All right, here's the first point that I want you to take down is this. God-sized dreams are birthed from heavy burdens. God-sized dreams are birthed from heavy burdens. All right, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if not, Uh, it's gonna be on your screen. We're gonna look at chapter one and then just a couple verses in chapter two. But it says this, in late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hen and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other man who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire." When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. And then if we jump over to chapter number two, just a couple verses here. Early the following spring, this is verse one, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th century of King Artaxerxes' reign, so the same reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Listen, Nehemiah has a burden. A heavy burden. And we can see in chapter number one, verse one, it's in late autumn when he gets the news. And then here we are in chapter number two, it's in early spring. And so he hears this burden and we're not really sure. It doesn't give us a lot of information what takes place from verse one of chapter one to verse one of chapter two. But most scholars believe by the calendar, it was about a four month period. And it doesn't say, again, exactly what he did, but we can see that when he first hears the news, he has this heavy burden that is placed on him. It says he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. And then four months later, he is still burdened by this, and it's affecting everything that he does, so much so that the king who was around him every day is looking at him and saying, bro, what's wrong with you? Like, what is going on? There's something going on, and he finally fights off the fear to share what's going on, and he shares this burden with him. Now, if you don't know the story of Nehemiah, before we go any further, let me give you just a 60-second snapshot of it. We've already heard the news. His brothers go to Nehemiah. They say, hey, listen, Jerusalem, where your family is, the walls have been torn down. It's unsafe. It's unprotected. The people there are discouraged. They're almost hopeless. They've lost their faith and they're headed in a really bad direction and something has got to change. And then Nehemiah steps out and he goes, he takes a team, he builds a wall and the walls of Jerusalem are built around. Like that is Nehemiah in a nutshell, the core of it. And so what we just read is that Nehemiah gets this heavy burden and he he has this four month period to where he's really wrestling with it. And as I think about this, like what burdens you? Like what burden is on you to where you respond like Nehemiah, where you can't even act the same. You can't make decisions the same. It's affecting every aspect of your life. We all have burdens. And as I think about this, one of the first things that Nehemiah did, and this is what I would challenge you if you have that burden in your wrestling, one of the first thing he did is what? He turned to God. He said he mourned and then he fasted and prayed. And so he immediately takes this burden, this news that he hears, this pressure on his life, this stirring in his heart, and he immediately gives it to God. And, and what I love about this is oftentimes we have these burdens in life, like there are things that burden me, but, but God has not called me to necessarily act upon every burden that is on me. Like, I'm burdened by lots of things. You're burdened by lots of things. But I think that there are certain burdens that God gives us to where we are to act. We are to step into action. And this is what I believe Nehemiah wrestled with for the four month period that he heard the news. And now in chapter two, he's going to the king. Like, he's like, what, what should I do? How do I act? Is this for me? Like, obviously everybody else is burdened by this too. Like, they're unprotected. They're unsafe. They're losing their faith. They're burdened. Why don't they step up? And here's, where I would give you some really strong advice if that is where you are and you're wrestling, like, is this burden for me? And it comes from John chapter 15, verses four and five. It says, remain in me, I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit For from apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, what is in the branches came from the vine. And so if you are spending time with God, if you are seeking God, if you are connected to the vine as we are supposed to be and called to be as believers, and there is a burden on your heart, it is for you from God. Like if you are connected to the vine and you have been given a burden, it is from God and he wants you to act upon it. So let's dream big because if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. They're not big enough. But listen, what is that burden that you're wrestling with? What is that thing that, that you just are fighting and trying to figure out, do I need to step into action? Because those God-sized dreams are birth from heavy burdens. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Pay attention to that burden you have, especially if you are connected to the vine and you are growing, seeking, maturing in your walk with Christ because God has given it to you for you to be the change in that dream. Like Step into that goal and all that God has for you. If your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. All right? The second thing that I would share is this. God-sized dreams require God to be successful. God-sized dreams require God to be successful. Look at verse 11. Nehemiah says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. So again, we don't have a ton of information on what took place on that four-month period, but what we do know is that Nehemiah was saying, this burden is heavy and I know that I am called to action, but I cannot act without you helping me, God. And I know that I will not be successful in carrying out this burden and making a solution for this burden, burden without the success of you. God, I need you. And this is what I love about God sized dreams is because when you dream dreams that scare you, you put yourself in a situation where you understand the only way that you're going to fulfill that dream or that goal or reach that destination that you're trying to get is by God. And what happens is when you put yourself in those situations, your faith grows because it's stretched and you're in a place where you have to fully rely on God. You have to fully trust Him. You have to fully lean on Him because you know you can't do it by yourself. These are God-sized dreams. And if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Like, if you have a God-sized dream, God is the one who has to be in the middle of it for it to be successful, all right? Number three, I told you they were pretty quick. Moving right along. God-sized dreams... Will require, real, will require a lot of work. God's-sized dreams will require a lot of work. And this is one of the reasons, honestly, that I feel like people don't step into their dreams and into their goals and into the things that God has burdened them by. Because maybe, A, they don't know where to start, or maybe, B, they just can't fully process or comprehend all the work and the things that goes involved with it. Like, I don't know if you fully understand what was taking place in, in rebuilding a wall, right, to an entire city. This wasn't fencing in your backyard, okay? This was a really big deal. And again, it doesn't say that Nehemiah was, you know, lazy or he was worried about how much work, but I can only imagine, he's a human being, that he was probably thinking about, how in the world am I going to do this? Like, this is a lot of work. Look, look at... um. Look at chapter 2, starting in verse 11. It says this, So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans of God, the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding After dark, I went through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the kindred valley, instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered against the valley gate. And he goes on and on and on. Here's the deal. I get exhausted just reading this. Like, he's going to all these places looking at the brokenness and looking at all the work that it's going to require to put into it. Like, God-sized dreams require a lot of work. And and these city walls actually were, at, when it was done, was two and a half miles around in length. They were 30 feet tall. They were eight feet deep. And I think there was like 34 watchtowers and multiple gates that were put in. Like this was a lot of work. But here is what Nehemiah understood. He understood that God had given him a burden, that he was connected to the vine. He felt this burden. He heard this bad news. He immediately connected to the vine. He mourned faster than prayed. And he asked God, again, I'm It doesn't say this, but I would imagine if you're fasting and praying, that's what it is. You're seeking God, you're asking for guidance, you're asking for direction, you're you're minimizing everything else so that you can make a priority on God. He's trying to figure out, what do I do about this? How do I step into it? Then he realizes his need for God. I'm not gonna be able to take out and and carry out this burden to fulfill this God-sized dream without you. And he also realizes that, hey, I'm gonna have to put in a lot of work. I'm going to have to put in a lot of work. And there's a dream in your heart right now that you are so afraid of because of all the work that it's going to require. Do not let it hold you back. Let's dream God-sized dreams. If your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. They should scare you because when they scare you, it makes you rely on God and it takes you back to this burden that God has given you because you've been connected to the vine. Like God has a dream in your heart and he wants you to step out. Quit looking at all the work and focus on the one who's going to help you complete this dream, all right? So, where are we? God-sized dreams are birth from heavy burdens. God-sized dreams, what? Come on, help me out. You got it? You got it? God-sized dreams require God to be successful. Number three, God-sized dreams require a lot of work. Number four, God-sized dreams will face persecution. God-sized dreams will face persecution. Flip over to the very next chapter, chapter number 4. Starting in verse one, uh, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite who was standing beside him, remarked that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Verse four, Nehemiah says, Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Like they start on this mission, this burden has been placed on him. He's relying on God to be successful. He's ready to put in the work. They begin putting in the hard work, and they start facing persecution people mocking them, people saying, what are you doing? You're an idiot. I can't believe you're trying to build this out of that. Like It's so weak that if a fox walked on, it would fall down. Listen, when you have God-sized dreams and you start sharing that dream or you start stepping into that dream, people are going to mock you. People are going to say you're crazy. People are going to say you don't know what you're doing. Let me tell you something. You may be right and they may be right. I don't know what I'm doing, but I serve a God who does and he's given me a Burden, and he's going to make this successful, and I'm ready to put in the work, and I don't need you. I don't want to hear you because I serve a God who has God-sized dreams, who has planted them in my own life, and I'm not going to give in to persecution. As I think about this, listen, what more could the enemy want? When he knows we are about to step into something that is God sized, he's going to do everything he can to destroy us, distract us, and pull us away. He's going to try to make us feel discouraged. He's going to try to make us, uh, quit and give up. He's going to try to make you feel prideful, make you feel arrogant, make you feel unqualified. He wants to do everything that he can to keep you from stepping into a God sized dream. Like, think about that. Like, I love persecution, okay? I really don't. I actually hate it, all right? But there's glory found in it because the glory is this. When I start getting persecuted, I know that God is up to something because the enemy ain't gonna waste his time messing with somebody who's not doing something God-sized. And so when you feel that persecution, say, bring it on. I'm ready because I'm doing something far greater than myself. I'm stepping into something that's God-sized. I have a dream in my heart a birthrights that's been placed and I'm ready to move. I'm ready to dream like a kid. I'm ready to do all that God has for me. I'm not going to sit back. I'm ready to strap up my bootstraps. I'm ready to work hard and I'm ready to experience the supernatural. We have got to quit sitting back in our comfortable little bubbles with burdens on our heart that God has placed for us to step into because we're afraid of persecution. We can't be afraid of people. The Bible says in Acts, like, who do you want me to fear, man or God? Like, I'm not here to fear you. I got God on my side, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. He lives inside of me. He goes before me, behind me, beside me. I got all that I need, baby. Bring it on. Right? Like, come on. Let's stop settling. Let's dream big dreams. Let's set big goals, and let's rely on God to fulfill them. Persecution will come, but the success will come with God in the middle. Let's dream big dreams. If they don't scare you, they aren't big enough, all right? Number five, the last one. Here we go. Dreaming God-sized dreams or God-sized dreams are a... a, (laughs) Excuse me, here we go. Messing that up. I preach without notes, all right? Uh, God-sized dreams include you but are not about you. God-sized dreams include you, but are not about you. Look over in chapter number six, just two more pages, verse 15 and 16. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, finished. just 52 days, which is a whole different God-sized dream in itself, after we had begun, when our enemies... When our enemies, not our allies, when our enemies, the same ones that were just persecuting them, right, okay? When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Come on, somebody. God, use me. This dream includes me. I want to be a vessel, but it ain't about you. I mean, it ain't about me. It's all about you. And these people that were just persecuting say, you're crazy, you're never going to be able to do this, you're not going to build a wall from rubble, now they have the fear of God placed in them. Like that's what living out God's sized dream does. It allows people to see the glory of God in your life. Are you impacted by it? You better believe it. You think Nehemiah wasn't impacted? To, to see all this work that had to be done, to gather up teams, supplies, equipment, strategy, and build an entire city wall as big as it was in 52 days? You better believe he was impacted, but guess what? It included him, but it wasn't about him. It was about God. And this is, think about the very beginning of this message. This is where people get it wrong. Our dreams, God-sized dreams, our goals, it is not, the purpose of them is not to shine a light on ourselves. It's to give God all the glory and honor. And so you need to stop worrying about what you can do and what you can't do and what I'm not going to be able to gather up and this work that I'm not going to, because it ain't about you anyway. God-sized dreams, they include you, but they are not about you. Come on, let's be dreamers. Let's set big goals and let's not hold back from all that God has for us. So what is your burden? Start there. Like, what is your burden? Your God-sized dream. Maybe for you, your burden is that you're tired of seeing kids in and out of the system like the foster system, that you're tired of seeing them broken, you're tired of seeing them unloved, you're tired of seeing them unwanted and uncared for, and your God-sized dream is to become a foster parent, and that burden has not left you, and it's time for you to step into that. Maybe your burden is that you're tired of seeing all these kids in in different countries who are living in orphanages and have never experienced the love of a mother and father because they were dropped off at the city gate on day two of their life. And you need to step out and quit worrying about how much it costs. Quit worrying about all the work that's involved and step into this calling, this God-sized dream that God has for you, this burden he lays on your heart for adoption. Maybe it's the homeless population. You're tired of being at every stoplight and seeing somebody in your city standing on the corner and God's giving you a burden for it and you can stop focusing on all the details and how are you gonna do this and step in this God-sized dream to do something about it. Maybe you're burdened and God has given you this God-sized dream to do something about the rate of abortions that are taking place in our city and all over the country right now and God wants you to be a part of that. He has a dream that he is waiting on you to step into and rel- lie on him to allow it to come to fruition. And and while we're here, can I just tell you this? we don't have to over-spiritualize everything either, okay? Maybe your burden, your dream is to start that business down the road, and God has given you a dream for it. And while you're starting that business, whether you're cooking hamburgers or selling dresses, you can give all the glory to God. Maybe God's given you a talent to lead music, and you've been waiting and praying about going to Nashville and starting a career. Step into that God-sized dreams, and remember, it includes you, but it's not about you. Like, we could go on and on, but we all have dreams, and we know need to have dreams that scare the mess out of us so that we can rely on God and he can get the glory. What is your dream? Come on guys. Like I I want to go back to that childlike faith, right? I want to go back to having those dreams where I ain't thinking about the work. I ain't thinking about how I'm going to get this where you just have almost this like lack of knowledge. Like kids don't know anything, right? Like just, you know, live with one, right? <laughs> like they'll tell you all the time, hey, daddy, can you buy me this? Can you buy me that? Sure. It doesn't quite work that way, right? But there's such an innocence in that to where they dream so big. And although it's a lack of knowledge, they don't know what it's going to cost or all the work that's involved, but, but they don't care because all they see is this dream and this burden. And I wonder if that's what God is wanting you to do today to quit focusing on all of the peripheral and secondary things that come along with it and focus on the dream, on the burden that he's given you. Now, in the same breath, let me say this last thing and we're gonna kind of shift here. Don't be an idiot, all right? Like, I don't know any other way to say that. Like, like God is, is giving you, a God, and that's why I pointed out John 15, because I believe that we can justify things too. Like, God gave me a burden, I'm leaving my wife and packing up. I'm like, come on, bro, you got, God's never going to tell you to do something to go against his word, okay? So so be smart. Use wisdom. There, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. Share your dream with a friend, somebody that you trust, that, that you know is going to shoot your strength. Seek God over anything. and but, 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 but so, so find this balance, okay? Don't, don't be a fool, but at the same time, don't be afraid to step into these big dreams, these dreams that scare you. Those are God-sized dreams dreams, all right? Let's dream big church, okay? Listen, before you go, I got a few more minutes, so don't. we're not done yet. I want to share with you, if you call this your church, if this is your church home, I don't know what your other dreams are that you're thinking about right now, but I know a dream that you have, whether you know it or not, all right? We have always said from day one, this is not Pastor Brian and Pastor Jay's church. If this is your home, this is your church. And so we want to share a big dream that we have, that you have as a church here at Seven Cities. And so a little bit of backstory. I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but as we got ready to prepare to launch, we knew that God was giving us an opportunity uh, to launch, number one, debt-free, number two, with uh, with very minimal costs to be able to do this right here online and then create some communities uh, via Zoom and in person through our launch team and our core team, and God has been doing some incredible things with that. And Obviously, uh, that wasn't Our end goal. We knew that it was a stepping stone, an opportunity, an open door that God had provided at that time for us to step into. But we knew from day one that one day, depending on what was going on with the pandemic as well, that that we wanted to be able to get into a building. And so we have been dreaming big. In the real world uh, of church planning, it's typically anywhere from about a 12 to 18-month process before you actually have your first service. Uh, ours was about 90 days and uh God has just blown us out of the water. And so through that, we were like, all right, like are we say we value dreaming big. Are we dreaming big? You know, are are we on this 12 month to 18 month plan to get in a building or are we gonna dream big? And uh and obviously again through the pandemic, it's been up and down where we've been trying to figure out what's best, what's the safest, what does God call us to do above anything. And we are at a point to where we feel strongly as your leaders, as well as uh, many of our, our core team members who are kind of uh, sounding boards for us in leadership, as well as our board members um, to where we are ready to dream big and pursuing and moving forward with getting ready to move into a building. Now, at the time of this, I don't, uh, I'm not able to stand up here and tell you exactly what building that is because we don't fully know. Uh, I will tell you that we have several buildings that we have looked at intently, and are praying for for very big, uh, very big signs from God. Right? We want wisdom. We want clarity. And uh, but we we went around last week and uh, and prayed outside of one of those buildings. And as we were praying, um, this this aspect of dreaming big came to my to my heart. And as I look around at our society and at churches now, um, the church has taken a big hit. And and honestly, being transparent, the church has, has kind of been exposed over the last year, and a lot of the flaws and weaknesses of the church have been revealed. Um, but as I was walking around praying and kind of dreaming big, God just kind of gave me this, this image of, of seeing our church in a building and watching people who who are living in darkness, people who don't know Jesus walking through our doors at Seven Cities Church and coming to experience the hope and the restoration and the redemption that is found in the name of Jesus, I saw people who have been saved for years, who have been kind of straddling the fence or maybe backsliding, coming to, to have this fresh touch from Jesus and live out this life like like being disciple. You could see marriages being restored. Like, and I'm not trying to tell you like I wasn't like this crazy vision. It was just things that God placed on my heart that I was like, I want to. I'm, I'm dreaming about that. Like, those are my goals. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see families come back together and be unified. I want to see kids be in an environment where they can learn about Jesus. I want to see people come and be able to get clear biblical answers and God work in their hearts while they're dealing with their sexuality, while they're dealing with their addictions, while they're dealing with their depression, while they're dealing with their suicidal thoughts. Like like I could go on and on with all of these dreams and and goals that we know we're going to have to have God involved in for this to take place. But we feel like it's time to... To step into to that dream. As I think about Nehemiah, like the four-month period you know, of, of, of praying, and obviously we've been praying for a lot longer than, than four months in regards to Seven Cities Church, but, but it's time for us, quote-unquote, if the story of Nehemiah, to be in front of the king and say, hey, I've got to take action. And so we are stepping into action. And so we are kicking off, starting today, a brand new project called Project North Suffolk. And obviously, Seven Cities Church, we want to have a presence in every city. We actually have had a huge opportunity by launching online to already have a presence in not just the seven cities, but beyond that. But we want to dream big, and we want to start putting campuses in cities. Our, our, our long-term goal, which is really not that long when you think about it, is to have a campus in all seven cities within the next 10 years. Okay, That's a big dream and we're believing God for it, and we're going to keep pushing, and we're ready to strap up our boots. We're ready to work hard, but we have to start small, right? We have to start somewhere, and so Project North Suffolk is simply this. It's a $250,000 project that we are going to raise starting today to the end of 2021, and what that is going to include uh, in that two hundred and fifty thousand is obviously for us to move into a building, all the renovations that are going to take place, all the the AV media cameras and stuff that we're going to need, sound equipment, all the kids ministry stuff that's going to need to take place, signage, like you name it, anything that you could think of with a church moving from Pastor Jay's living room, which is where we're standing right now. If you didn't know that uh into a building this is what that is going to include and so we're dreaming big like it's kind of crazy to think that you know it's the end of march and we're technically only 3 months old as a church cuz we launched january 3rd And here we are about to kick off a project and hopefully be in a building in the next couple months. And I will tell you this, we're not waiting on $250,000 to be raised to move into a building. Why? Because we're believing God. We're dreaming big. If they don't scare us, they ain't big enough, right? And so as soon as we can get some things finalized and move in, I hope to be standing in front of you soon. And Pastor Jay as well saying, hey, here we go. We're moving into a building. Obviously, the online service is not going to go away. But Project North Suffolk—it's a big dream. It's a really big dream. It's a God-sized dream, and it's a burden that's been placed on on my heart. It's a burden that's been placed on Pastor Jay's heart, and it's a burden that's probably been placed on your heart if you have think you know if you think about it. Maybe you're not ready to move into a building yet, but but you know that that time is going to come. And so, it's a burden that's been placed. We also know that. Project North Suffolk is not gonna be successful without God. And we want God to be right dead in the center of it. We know that Project North Suffolk is gonna take a lot of work and we're ready We're ready to step into it. We're ready to work hard. Why? Because we want to see people be transformed by the gospel of Jesus. And this is going to create an environment for us to do that even more than what we're doing now. Again, this isn't going away. We're reaching people we don't even know about right now from an online perspective. Project North Suffolk is also going to face some persecution, right? We're going to face some trouble. We're going to have some some bumps and and, and some doors that get closed, and, and we're ready for it. We're ready to move forward. We're ready to face it. Come on. The enemy's going to attack probably me and Pastor Jay personally and our families and probably you guys as well. Like we're going to be attacked. We're going to face persecution, but we know if God is in it, who can be against it, right? And then lastly, this isn't about Seven Cities Church. Project North Suffolk is not about us saying, look at us. Look what we did. We're starting our first campus in four months, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't include us. You better believe it but it's not about us. It's all about God. Come on, guys, let's dream big. Project North Suffolk kicking off today. I cannot wait to be standing in front of you with our co-pastor, Pastor Pastor Jay, standing here saying, look, bro, here we are. god size dream fulfilled. Let's go to the next one. And let's dream big. All right, church, I love you guys. I am so honored to be one of your pastors. I just wanna challenge you. And again, maybe you're like, "Man, this is like fairy taleish to me." I can't focus on that burden that God has given you, and think about a God-sized dream to step into a solution for that burden. Let's dream big. Let's be scared to death. Let's rely on God more than we ever have and experience the supernatural. Amen. All right, let me pray together. Pray with you, Father. We love you. We thank you so much for the dreams that you place in our heart the burdens that you give us, the things that you have specifically laid on our hearts for us. God, I pray right now for for those that are wrestling with those burdens, like, is this this mine? God, I pray that you would give them clarity to say, this is for you from me. God, I pray that you would make it very clear the burden that you have placed on an individual's life, God. I pray that they would not sit back on that burden anymore, but they would step into this God-sized dream to say, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I know I can't do this on my own. I wanna put you in the middle of it so we can carry out this dream. I wanna focus on you. I'm ready to face persecution. I'm ready to put in the work and I'm ready to make it all about you. God, I pray you stir in our hearts. God, I pray right now over Project North Suffolk wow, to think that we as a church are about to be going into our very first building. God, we cannot wait to make that happen, Lord. Actually, we know it's you that is making that happen, but Lord, we can't see, we can't wait to see all the things that are going to unfold, all the things that you're going to do, all the lives that are going to be changed, all the glory that you're going to receive because of this project, Father. Lord, I pray that you would stir in the hearts of the believers, Lord, to be a part of this, to dream big tonight, not see barriers to not see mountains because we serve a God who can move all of those who can make a path where there seems to be no way and who can change things at the at the at the, at the mention Of one word. And so God, we we lift this entire project up to you and we pray that we give you all the glory and honor you deserve for it. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this series, all that you have done. We pray for next weekend, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate our risen Savior. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross, but to be buried and raised from the grave and be alive with you, God. Thank you so much for salvation. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And everybody said, amen and amen hey i love you guys i hope you have